The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. It's definitely a complicated issue going on right now. I think it's uh, prudent for employers to take stock of what their, what their workplace policies, if they have workplace policies. Are. That is Calvin Chan, a lawyer with Ward's Lawyers here in Lindsay. He'll be with us later in the program to offer some insight into COVID-19 and how it could affect the workplace for both employer and employee. You'll also get a taste of India at a regular event in Lindsay called, wait for it, A Taste of India. We'll talk about chickadees that seem to have jumped out of a children's book and into your hand at Ken Reed Conservation Authority. You'll also meet a warm and charming and very talented singer-songwriter who's new to Quartha Lakes and still settling into her new home. Stick with us, you'll get what I'm getting at there. My name is Duny Gringau and I'm your host for the next half hour or so. And this is episode three of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Hey, thanks for downloading or streaming this episode or just sitting next to someone who's doing one of those things on their internet machine. We've been getting some nice feedback since we launched a month ago. This from Mark near Cameron. Refreshing to have a vibrant host and format for the podcast. Thanks, man. The print version of The Advocate is always a go-to for me, but the podcast brings a different level of personality that print sometimes can't do. I've lived in the area since the mid-90s, and both The Advocate and The Advocate podcast have brought something new to local media. The small-town production that doesn't have the look or vibe of small town. You know, when I moved to this small town, I I still call it a town, more than 20 years ago, I immediately fell in love with the place. But it did lack a certain, well, let's say, cultural diversity. Sure, you had your Scottish Canadians, your Irish Canadians, and your Dutch Canadians. And (laughs) heck, my arrival added to that exotic quotient of French Canadians, the Franco-Ontarian kind, no less. But Kawartha Lakes is seeing more diversity lately and celebrating it. Take a taste of India, for example. Once a month, a large group of our Indian population, mostly students from Fleming College, gathers at St. Paul's Anglican Church to dine, dance, laugh, celebrate, and hang with their new neighbors. Well, I'm one of their new neighbors who hung out with them recently. So is Dan Farmer. Dan is the youth pastor at St. Paul's who helps run this event, which you'll hear him describe turned out to be way bigger than they expected. It was unbelievable. Like it, it was so much more than we could have expected, could have hoped for. There was a little bit of that frantic. Well, I guess I better run up to the grocery store again. We got to get more food. We got to get more food. And this is a. Uh, this is not like picking up a couple of pizzas. So how no, how and, difficult was and it? And actually, so we definitely jumped in a little bit naive because we'd never even made Indian food. We were definitely leaning on the knowledge of um, of the natives to show us what to do. And actually most Indian cooking is really long to prepare. So the first night we didn't even serve dinner till like quarter to 11. It, really? was, it was a long night, but there was just an energy and a buzz in the room. They were just, that anybody would do this for them and they were so excited and grateful. Yeah, it's Gursirat Singh. Today we pray at Punjabi Kadi. Uh, Kadi we make out of uh, yogurt and you mix the chickpea uh, chickpea flour, you put a lot of spices in it 
best with the rice. So we made some rice as well, and we have salad. And in I was told that in uh, Canada, they don't add onions in salad much. Well, let me ask you about that, because I, I am familiar with curry, and my wife loves Indian food. But you're probably walking that line, because you want to please certainly the people who are, who are from India originally, as well as the locals like yeah. me. So how do you create that balancing act between yeah, pleasing everybody? Yeah, what we did was, we created two batches. Oh, yes, really? Yeah, so what we did was one was a little tangier and one was a little less tangier. <laughs> we, we had to do that because we had to take care of the both people, right? We, needed we noticed in the last couple of years we've seen a lot more um, Indian students uh, walking around the streets of Lindsay, uh, usually hanging out in small groups with themselves. We don't see a lot of, haven't seen a lot of interaction between uh, our native community members and uh, these students. And we were looking for a way to connect and to serve the needs of these students because... Uh, Why? I, Why was that important to you? For myself, I actually went to school in Newfoundland, was far enough away from home that it felt very, very far away. I, I couldn't just drive home for the weekend. I had to wait sure. till Christmas to fly home. So, But it, there was a community of people looking to support students uh, that... Uh, we wanted to be a part of that here for students who they not only are very far from home but may not speak the language or may not have some of those community connections. So it was important for us to provide them a place that they could come together and meet with each other because they enjoy each other's company but also that we could get to know our neighbors a little better and find out how we could service their needs. And the need that comes most obviously is College students love food. <laughs> so it was an easy starter to um, start with just a meal and see what, what it evolved out of that. Like earlier when I came here, I was missing my family. Like every single day I was crying. But now I have my friends and I feel like that I have a family here now. All right, you can go ahead and get yourself some of the main course. My name is Vani Prabhakar. I am from Chandigarh. It's in Punjab province of India. Well, this is just an opportunity to hang out outside of college because our college definitely does a lot of events, but we, we get to connect outside of college. That's how uh, important it is. And also we get to eat Indian food because the Indian food that our college served at Diwali party, it was good, but it was kind of cold. And how's this coming along in terms of, uh, yeah, of is course, it all right? Of course, yeah. I mean, this was fresh, uh, homemade, uh, you know, like it's made by the community for the community kind of thing. Right? One of the things that uh, really kind of struck us was the first night there were, there was always more hands than we had jobs for. There were 20, 30 people piling into the kitchen looking for something they could do to help. But not people saying, where's my food, I'm here for no, a reason. They, Did that strike you as surprising? Yes. <laughs> there were there was very, very little grumbling about how long the food was taking, except maybe from a few of our Canadian uh, guests. But uh, honestly, they were just so pleased that we would do this, and they were just enjoying each other's company so much that even though it was later, they just kept saying, oh, you know, Indian food takes a long time to make. And they were kind of laughing at us, apologizing for how long it was taking. Which is a Canadian thing to do, I of guess. Of course. How many Indians can yell out like the Canadians just did? Ready? One, two, three. What do you think we're getting out of it, the, the local Lindsay people who've been here our, most of our lives? 
Here I have seen that there were not many Indian communities, uh, not Indian, many Indian people were living here. So you, uh, you have a learning experience, you get to know about our culture, our food and you know. I see many Canadians who love the food and they see, yeah, I would like to get a recipe out of it, you know. In our religion, what we do we used to do was we used to organize free foods whenever there was something special in our religion. So it gives me some sort of sense of that feeling, it gives me some sort of feeling to like help people. So we organize free food. So it's you just come here, you have good food, you meet new people, and that's cultural exchange. All right, first of all, is it cold enough for you? People like me from Lindsay, what's, what's it like to just be able to, to hang out and, and just talk to people who are just the locals? It's nice. So if they are coming here, we are talking to them and they get chance to know our culture like we have a chance to know their culture. Honestly, I feel really, really honored that we get to be be a part of bringing that community together and uh, that they uh, have welcomed us as well into that social circle because uh, one of the things that I noticed after the first couple of events, um, people that I don't necessarily, because I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with names, I don't recognize 120 different people, but as I'm walking down the street going into businesses, there's a lot more highs around the community from uh, different people within the Indian student uh, population. They, they say, hi, Dan, and I, there's kind of a connect point there. And What's it like for you to hear that? It's, uh, it's awesome. <laughs> You're listening to the Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes, brought to you by Ward's Lawyers. Learn more about them and what they do at wardlegal.ca. Okay, bring your ears closer to your speaker or make sure those fancy earbud things are insecurely because you are going to want to hear this. Oh, there it is. Put your hand out here. Okay, like this? Okay, there's one. I love this. this Always loved this. Love Nancy. Sorry, Denny. <laughs> Close your eyes and imagine you're standing on a long footbridge above a marsh, chickadees darting to and fro just meters away. You're super quiet. You extend your hand, your hand filled with seeds, and the chickadees, after some initial reluctance, eventually come and fly on that hand, grab a few seeds, then dart off, but return again and again. It's a trail bridge at Ken Reed Conservation Authority. I've been to the park many, many times, but it took some friends to introduce Nancy and me to this tucked away haven. So is there something uniquely magical about this place in Kawartha Lake? Something unique about these particular chickadees? How did they, or or rather, how did we humans become so approachable to them? I tracked down Rob Stavinga to solve this backyard wildlife mystery. He's a watershed resources technician with KRCA and an expert birder. You can kind of get them accustomed to people. So we had a a planner here, she's gone now, but she's, she would go down there every day and she'd just bring some sunflower seeds with her. So she groomed them? She set the she's, path for yeah. this? Yeah, so we started trying to groom them around the entrance here, but she would just go down there every day. There were some chickadees around. She'd put her hands out and eventually she'd put them on the railing and um, along the boardwalk there. And then eventually they started coming to her for the seeds. They'd recognize her coming there. So then more of us started to do the same type of thing. We heard that she was doing it, so we would follow in her footsteps, basically go down at lunchtime 
on our walk and just put our hands out and they start coming more and more. So everybody turns up in the same spot with their hand out with some sunflower seeds. Is that a good thing or a bad thing for the KRCA? Um, it's good for the, the park. It brings people out for uh, reasons other than just bringing their dog to the dog park. It gets them out into the park walking around and kids love it. It's a really good way to introduce kids to to nature and it's a great way to introduce them to birds and, and talk about chickadees and stuff like that. Chickadees seem to have the, the most willingness out of all the birds to start coming. Why is that? Um, I think they travel in little flocks and there's a hierarchy in the flock and if the dominant pair in the in the flock goes to get seeds the rest will follow suit so suddenly a bunch of birds have learned the habit that people if they put their hands up they'll they'll feed them seeds so more and more of them learn from the birds around them they're not really thinking about it it's, it's just, a group activity for yeah, them though but it's it's also that sort of um they have to weigh the risk versus reward so if you have other birds doing it and they get a reward and there's no risk the birds around them learn from it. It's built into them, right? It's it's their evolution, right? So, they, so in layman terms, is that bird looking at other birds going, well, if they're cool with it, then it must be safe? Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that going on, right? They're, they're using the flock to protect the other members of the flock. So if one flock member's safe, then the other flock members know they can go in and they're going to be safe too. And you'll see it, you'll have mixed flocks, so you'll get nuthatches and things coming in with the chickadees, and they're learning from the chickadees. So there's only a select group of birds. Most of them are seed stores so chickadees spend a lot of time in the wintertime gathering food and then storing it in caches around their their territory we don't typically recommend people feed wildlife in a conservation area but a little bit of seed for chickadees in the wintertime it's, it's not really going to impact the birds and it's food source becomes abundant again in springtime right so all of a sudden you have insects appearing and you have more seed source so birds disperse into their their mating areas and they don't have as much of a demand for, for food supplies as they do in the wintertime. Finally, um, and I have to be delicate about this one because I stood next to my wife. Yeah. Somehow the birds always went to her instead of me. Is there, should I take that personally? Is there something I should know? No, it, it, it's interesting when you get into, when you're out there feeding them, if your hand is closer to safety than the person next to you, they will come to you. What's uh, safety? So they like to have shrubs and trees around them that they can fly to quickly. So in the event of, say, a predator shows up on the scene, they can escape really quickly. So oftentimes you'll have somebody who stands a little bit more out in the open. They're a little bit further away from cover. They'll get nothing. And the person right next to them, even though they're two feet away, they're, they're closer to cover. So they'll come to them over and over again. This is Melissa Weems from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Okay, so how are we doing so far with episode three of the Advocate Podcast? Go to our website or Facebook page and let us and the world know. And uh, maybe we'll read your comments on the program. Hey, who hasn't been engrossed in a current hot button issue that eventually evolves into, I wonder what the legal implications would be with enter subject here. Well, we here at the Advocate Podcast are all about helping to address those questions with some sage, intelligent insight. From our official sponsor, in fact. We call this semi-regular feature... Wards of Wisdom. Wards of Wisdom. More than just words of wisdom, it's wards of wisdom. I'm here in the Wards Lawyer's offices on Kent Street in Lindsay with Calvin Chan. Calvin is a lawyer who specializes in civil litigation, labor, and employment law. Uh, Calvin, first of all, uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. That was a great introduction. Was that okay? Yeah. Good. All right. Well, we're off to a good start. The, uh, the coronavirus. Otherwise known as COVID-19, which I'll, I'll refer it to 
as that. As COVID-19? Yeah. Okay, let's go with that. Well, we're well aware of the effect uh, the virus is having on the health and the well-being of thousands around the world. But there are some ripple effects, obviously, that are being felt on the economy, industry, uh, workforces. Elaborate on that specifically when it comes to uh, employees and going into work and if they can, what are their legal rights? What are the implications? Well, it's it's definitely a complicated issue going on right now. I think it's uh, prudent for employers to take stock of what their what their workplace policies, if they have workplace policies, are regarding sick leave, making making sure that their employees are aware that they have those workplace policies because sometimes employers and employees tend to forget that. Now when you and say when you say policies, is this something that should be literally written down or is it understood? Oh, for sure, for sure. And we prepare workplace policies for our own clients that clearly articulate, you know, this is how many sick days that you get, this is the procedure for obtaining a sick day. And uh, those aren't those don't exist in every single workplace. So if those do exist, you know, I would encourage all employers to to review those, make sure they're up to date, make sure their employees know what's what's up to date. Um, just make sure that everybody is is comfortable with what's going on. It's hard to be comfortable in a time like this, but I think, uh, especially being lawyers, we're used to things being an adversarial process, especially mm-hmm. when we rep- when we represent either employees or employers. It would be good for both sides to have some open communication and, and by sides I mean the employers employees you know we're all in the same workplace here as long as everybody understands these are the sick days that uh, employees get under our policies and those policies conform with the Employment Standards Act then that I think would lead to some productive conversations in the work uh, in the workplace and and make sure that everybody's comfortable for example our policies do allow for some uh, discretion on the part of employers, and I think that's you know if there's a time to exercise any discretion, it would be it would be a time such as this. Employees should still understand that they may have to provide some medical documentation if they're going to uh, be taking a sick day, and and they should be aware that employers have the obligation to protect an employee's privacy, especially with with respect to the any medical issues. So. Um, you know, if there is any employee snooping around about why uh, X or is not at work today, employers aren't uh, supposed to be giving out that information. There's some protections there. Which can um, be tough given that most office workplaces will have an element of gossip in it. So more protective at this time, obviously. Uh, absolutely. Unavoidable. The, the, but employers sh- certainly shouldn't be giving out that information. Employees might be interested to know that you know, under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, there's a couple things I, I was thinking about on my, on my commute in this morning. There is the uh, obligation for employers to provide a, a safe workplace. And I was thinking about that in the context of some news that I had read about uh, an employee security guard at a, at a condo who was diagnosed with the coronavirus. I think he was recently traveling to Iran, uh, Iran or Egypt. Uh, the employer was... They were cleaning and scrubbing and disinfecting the the condo security desks, the, the, the workplace essentially. And I think that's something that employers should be prepared to do, especially if one of their employees is unfortunately diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. Uh, it's good that that employer undertook. Employees should be able to understand that, you know, that their employer is 
is statutorily required to provide a safe workplace. And For if, everybody. Yeah. yeah. What of the employee who says, I don't feel comfortable coming into work, where this could be a hotbed of uh, COVID-19? That's a, that's a great question and difficult to answer because it will depend on the circumstances. So there is a work refusal section under the Occupational Health and Safety Act where an employee is able to refuse to work in, in an unsafe situation. But that has to be grounded in some sort of reasonable reasonable basis. From the other camp, then, the employer who says, you know what, I don't want anybody coming into this place of business. We're dealing with the public. I'm shutting it down for 10 days, 14 days. Um, you're all out of work, ostensibly. Well, that's another good, another good question, and it would have to, again, depend on the situation. Uh, we've seen in Japan, they've closed the schools for, for 30 days. Um, schools, as any parent knows, is going to be a, a germ factory. So, uh, you know, in that cir- circumstance, is it reasonable to cl- close the schools? That's the decision that the government made. Whether or not an employer decides to do that, I think, is is up to them at the end of the day. It's a it's a business disruption at the end of the day. So I don't, I don't think those decisions are going to be made without a lot of forethought. For the employee, though, who says, look, I'm willing to come in. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Um, now you're telling me I'm not going to have earnings for the next two weeks. Is there any legal recourse there? Or is that just the situation that they have to deal with? Again, have to do with the circumstance, but that's a, that's a call that the employer would have to make. Probably best with the advice of their legal counsel. But again, there's, there's a lot of moving parts. Uh, one of them, as I mentioned, is the obligation for an employer to provide a safe workplace. And if the employer deems that their workplace isn't safe, maybe they need to do a deep clean, deep scrubbing, um, shut down for a day or two to do that. You know, that's, they're complying with their statutory obligations in that hypothetical situation. If people do have serious questions and concerns, that they seek the advice of legal counsel. But before that, seek to engage in some communication between between either you know either sides, employee, employer, because at the end of the day, we're all working in the same workplace. It's not a time to be adversarial. It's well documented that not everyone who is being asked to be quarantined, to quarantine themselves, is necessarily carrying the virus. It's a precautionary measure. What responsibility does the employer have there? Well, that's another great question. I can start by just saying that under the Employment Standards Act, there's no... Uh, public health type of protected leave, meaning there's no caveat. exactly for this type of situation where the public's health is is potentially at risk. And I don't think we're there yet, thankfully. But but on the other hand, there is a protected sick leave under the Employment Standards Act, which I would encourage. Again. What is a protected sick leave? When you say protected, how does that define that? Uh, it's defined as a personal emergency leave, but. That's those are a certain number of days in a given year that an employee's entitled to have off of work paid if they present a, an illness, and um, those the, the procedures for obtaining that may vary from you know, workplace to workplace, whether or not a sick note is required or whether it's not. You know, I don't think it's unreasonable for an employee to say, "Listen, I've been uh, I've been uh, told to self isolate. I've got a doctor's note." And I would like to use uh, some of my sick days as, as either as per the Employment Standards Act, as per my contract, as per our workplace policies, any mm-hmm. number of those, and say, uh, I would just like to use some of those days so that I can get some pay. You know, keep the, 
and just keep everything flowing. I think um, there, this is a situation where we want to make sure business operates as usual. Um, it's not a time for panic, but it's a time to contemplate some of the potential issues that we're going to run into. Um, speak to a lawyer if you're really concerned, but otherwise speak to your boss first. They're not as scary as they seem. <laughs> My thanks to Calvin Chan of Ward's Lawyers, the official sponsor of the Advocate Podcast, for providing some legal insight into the impact COVID-19 could have on employees and employers. For legal advice on this topic and any other labor or employment issue, contact the Ward Legal team at wardlegal.ca. Okay, let's jump right into... Stuff happening in Kawartha Lakes. There's always stuff happening in Kawartha Lakes. That Taste of India monthly dinner we told you about? Well, there's another one in early April. Date to be determined, but it will be a Saturday. Contact St. Paul's Anglican Church for details. The next community lunch at Bethany United Church is Thursday, March 19. Rumor has it that prices are great and the food is better. March 26th from 4 to 5 p.m., coffee with a cop at Boiling Over in Lindsay. It's uh, your chance to sit down and chat and ask questions in a very informal, comfortable setting with Kawartha Lakes Police Chief Mark Mitchell. Looking ahead to April 25, the 26th annual dinner and auction in Kinmount in support of the town's beautification projects. And Wednesday, March 18, singer, songwriter, and recording artist Artemis Chatsi is joined by her musical partner, Dale Russell, for a special noon hour concert at Cambridge Street United Church. You bring your lunch, you enjoy some music, and you get to meet Artemis. I've already had the opportunity to meet with Artemis, who's not your average performer. Trust me on this one. This is a woman who's almost reluctant to talk about her music. Because she's more excited talking about the kids who are part of this free youth songwriting program she helped launch in 16 schools in the Durham board where she was a teacher. And now it took some work, but I did manage to get Artemis to talk about her music and how she's settling into her new home in Kawartha Lakes. Light sparkled from his hands. I listen to your music and a lot of it is very joyful and bright and happy and positive. And there are other songs which are, dare I say, a bit more pensive and, mm-hmm. and darker. How do you channel that energy when you're singing those songs and you're maybe not in that mood at that time? Oh, thank you for using the word channel because there is something mystical about it. It comes through us. It's not necessarily born of us, but really? there seems to be sometimes an outside... Um, message that that you suddenly feel like people around you need to hear and it's that honest part of your heart that reaches out and touches that honest part in somebody else that vulnerable part because our vulnerability is is our strength so the dark songs strangely enough are written when I'm the happiest how come how, how do you how do you connect those two I think that when I'm strong I want to reach out and help somebody and when I am feeling really dark, I will write an uplifting, joyful song because it's like I'm throwing a lifeline to myself at a future time when I will feel better. Well, I don't think I'm special in the uh, love of music and in the desire to express myself creatively. I think everybody is born with an artistic ability. There are no feelings which are wrong. And that's something I didn't know as a child. 
Um, Do you think that music helped you discover that? or Absolutely. And I had great parents, by the way, but society can tell us that it's uh, childish to cry and it's wrong to be indignant or outraged. But music can say, no, it's, it's all right if you have been hurt to feel sad or even angry. And your music can help lift you to a higher place or it can just be that that triumphant piece of art that shows you survived that time. I'm the oldest of four children, so I'm always going to be a big sister. And I was a high school teacher for 36 years, so it's more appropriate to put students on stage than yourself and to be proud of them and to make it about them. So I'm hardwired to champion writers and that's why we do the spirit of song every month on the third Thursday of every month in in Oshawa and I would love to do something like that here in Lindsay I'm just new to Lindsay and there's a lot of talented people that I would love to work with to make this happen I think that guitars are so much more a songwriter's instrument because you can sing at the same time. It's very hard to sing and play the flute. It's melodic, it's chording, it's arpeggios. Guitar is very versatile. So I graduated to guitar for songwriting, but the flute was my first love. Been playing since I was 14. You said yourself you're new to this area, so here's my hardball question, as hardball as it gets. I've always gotten the sense that you are you still have one foot planted in Oshawa while the other one is... is, oh, is you Well, that's good. You admit it. So what role do you think music will play in, in just that transition and, and maybe bringing that other foot into this community a bit more? Oh, well, I... Once I put down roots, I'm very loyal, so that's why I'm having a hard time. And I, I'm a dual citizen of, of Lindsay and Oshawa, and probably always will be. I will never abandon the friendships, the students, the teachers that I worked with in Oshawa. I would just say that Lindsay has been welcoming and charming and generous from the moment we set foot here. and. I can't imagine a more beautiful place to live out my days and um, and and give and receive uh, in this very beautiful, friendly, welcoming community. When people are leaving that show, though, what would you like them to take away from it about you and about your music? I would like them to feel happier and more connected with the human family because music is all about connection. What would you like to get out of it? I would like to make some new friends. Feel with your heart just what he's going through. We are all connected to the golden. All right, you heard her. Let's all work towards increasing Artemis's friends circle. Trust me, it won't be hard. She is one of the warmest most interesting and interested people I have met in a long time. In fact, she and her husband Pierre introduced us to those chickadees we heard from earlier. 
Artemis will be performing with Dale Russell March 18 at noon at Cambridge Street United Church. It is completely free. She will have CDs at 10 bucks with $5 going to the church. Bring your lunch and come and hang out with us. And hey, if you haven't done it already, follow us on Spotify or subscribe via iTunes. That way the episodes will just kind of appear automatically in your machine. And let us know what you think. You can do that by going to lindsayadvocate.ca or to our Facebook page. Theme and musical bridges are written and performed by the very talented and very likable Gerald Van Halteren. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Quarth Lakes, is made possible by our official sponsor, Wards Lawyers and Lindsay. Find them at wardlegal.ca for all your legal needs. You can reach me, your host, Denny Grignon, via my website, cleancomedian.ca. Talk to you again at the end of March. Stay warm and uh, be sure your sump pumps up the snuff, eh?